Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and I hope you all enjoyed Assistant Coaches Week presented by the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened and who supports the podcast. I also want to give a huge shout out to the coaches who took the time to talk to me. It means a lot knowing that they're willing to allow me to help tell their story and just pull back the curtain a little bit to shed some light on how they've gotten to this point in their careers. With that being said, we have one final coach to get to, so let's just, let's get right to it. The song you just heard is Ignition by Toby Mac, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Joe Johnston. So Joe went to Shawnee Mission East High School and was a two-time Kansas State champion. He went on to wrestle for the University of Iowa and was a two-time All-American, placing second and sixth. Joe actually started his coaching career as an assistant at Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa, before joining the Missouri coaching staff in 2008. After 11 seasons with the Tigers, he moved on to the Air Force Academy and is now the associate head coach. Joe has a reputation of being one of the hardest workers around, and that's something he established growing up and in the, throughout the sport of wrestling, and now he gets to instill that in his own athletes. I tell you, he couldn't be a better fit for that program and the culture that they're trying to build at uh, the Air Force Academy. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Coach Joe Johnston. How you been? What's up? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, we're having a good summer here uh, at Air Force, and uh, I'm excited for for the season, uh, especially. You know, we have uh, a lot of guys coming back, and uh, you know, so we're working hard. Um, but you know, this summer, summers here look, look different than a lot of places. So it's, uh, you know, you really got to take advantage of the opportunities that we do have in front of us and, uh, and really get a lot of bang for our buck with the time we have, because our guys are, are doing amazing things, but some, some of those, some of those things are, are demanding and some of them, uh, take them away from, from the wrestling mat for a little bit. So we can talk about that a little bit more, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's been good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Well, Let's talk about something real quick uh, that you did that was pretty amazing. You did like a 50-mile run or something. like a Yeah. Talk about that. That was kind of crazy. I talked to Sam Barber about that, Coach Barber, and he was like. Yeah, so so there's this uh, – it out here, there's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. People like to get out in the, in the mountains. Yeah. Pretty much like any any weekend, any given weekend, you'll see like crazy traffic going into the mountains. And then like Sunday night, it'll be coming back because people just love love to be out there. So there's a lot of just running and stuff. But there's a there's a really famous uh, ultra marathon here in Colorado. Um, a lot of the, the previous staff, like going back to Coach Bachman, uh, the legendary uh, coach before Coach Barber, um, he they, they did they did this uh, the Leadville um, 100, yeah. and uh, okay. and so it kind of started as like uh, you know anybody could just go get in, but it's become this kind of a phenomenon of a race where it's like kind of this legendary thing, and so they actually uh, you have to like go through like a lottery or qualify for it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, I did the 50 mile version of that. And so I went up to Leadville, Colorado, which is the highest, uh, the highest city actually, uh, in the, in the country. It's the highest city in Colorado. It's over, it's, uh, part of it's over 10,000 feet. 
in an, an elevation. So you start at, at that elevation and then you run up to 12,000 feet and back down. I want to say it's four times during the race. So it's a crazy amount. Uh, you start high, but then it's a crazy amount of elevation gain and loss in the race. And I'll, I'll be honest, it was tougher than I thought it was going to be. I was, I was, uh, surprised for the worse a little bit. There was many times I was in my own head about it thinking, Oh, this is stupid. <laughs> but but no, I like I I kind of had an idea what I was signed up for, and um, it was just really hard. You know, there was a lot of portion of the race where I was um, climbing, climbing, and kind of more hiking up, and then and then running down, and and there was a lot of uh, rough terrain. I would say rough terrain, like um, scree. We would call it scree, like big rocks mm-hmm. in the trail instead of like a smooth path. So they they intentionally made it a really tough race and. And I was, um, I'll just say I was really proud of my effort and my, and my uh, mental toughness on the day. It wasn't a perfect day. Um, but I, I missed, like I said, I missed that. I miss, mm-hmm. uh, competing and I miss pushing myself and I miss that kind of feeling of, um, you know, you wake up on the, the day of the event and you're nervous and you're, you know, like you're, you get that kind of rush of adrenaline about, Oh man, I know what I'm about to do and it's going to be really tough and, and it's a little bit scary and, you know, I, I miss a lot of those things. And so I try to, you know, at least once or twice a year, put myself in those situations. I think for me, uh, it's good for me, but it's also good for me as a coach to, to remember what that's like, to be able to help relate to the guys better. And, to you know, just be able to speak to those things in a really informed way. That's, uh, you know, I think a lot of what we do is helping people have be their best, right? So part of it is how how you how are you thinking in those moments? And and so I think it's really helpful. Um, you know, I think probably guys listen to me a little bit better when they know that I'm that I'm doing that and I'm in kind of in that fire with them and that I have those experiences because they know that I'm speaking from a real place. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For the record, I want to ask you, like I said, I talked to coach Barber about it. Um, He said that he didn't want to put words in your mouth, but that you, that it was the toughest thing you've ever done, you know, cause you've done Ironmans too, correct? Yeah, sure. So for the record, was that probably one of the toughest things you've ever done? You know, somebody else asked me that the other day and I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I don't mm-hmm. want to just like blanket say that. Right. Um, right. There was, there was, I would say this, there was those tough moments in it. And, um, but but I think, you know, man, like, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer of a question and I, and I don't want to get too philosophical on that, but like (laughs) tough, like those kind of tough moments, that's not really what is tough. Like tough is like the mundane, like every day. Uh, where you, you come in and you like be excellent every day when you, when nobody cares or nobody's, you know what I mean? That's, that's really, that's really what's probably the toughest is. So it's like, kind of like, yeah, like I had to get really tough that day. Mm -hmm. Was that the toughest thing I've ever done? Uh, It's, it's, it's up in that zone, but I don't know if I can say that for sure. I would, I would think, you know, like I, I've been more miserable I've been more miserable. I'll say that. Like I've had, like, I had, like, I can think back where I was like cutting weight and I was like in Las Vegas at the U S open outside. And it was a hundred degrees out. And I'm like down to the last like pound and I'm outside running. You know what I mean? Like that was probably, that's probably more miserable 
where I wanted to be done way more than I wanted to be done during that race. But I think, you know, so it's all relative, right? It's all relative, but I think, you know, like everybody wants to have those kind of like, Oh, I want to have a great, this great moment. And, you know, I'm going to get really, you know, no, that's, that's, I don't know. I, like I said, I think it's in like the day, the daily, the daily stuff, like the, the mundane stuff. That's where it's like, you find out if you're, if you're tough or not, you know, like, and do you, and, and you, it's really hard to get tough if you don't love it. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't love, love what you're doing. If you don't like kind of like enjoy, enjoy, um, I guess suffering a little bit, you know, I think that's, uh, you don't have to like the actual suffering, but you have to like what it means mm-hmm. for you. You have to like that. It's uh, that it makes you elite in a way, or mm-hmm. that's like, it's like, it's valuable. So. Yeah, that's uh that's very well said. That's a very good perspective. Yeah. Of course, like the mundane, nobody like it's easy to, want to wake up and go to tournaments and compete and stuff, you know, that's kind of the, you know, it's tough, but those are kind of the easier days where you're looking forward to it. No one, you know, some people don't really look forward to practice, you know, right. putting in the work like that's, you're right. That's where it gets, it gets tough. You know? So I, I also like that you still put your feet to the fire a little bit, or like you said, you, you go in the fire, you know, to show that your guys that you're still, you know, that you can relate to them. I think that's important, you know. Well, I think a lot of what I'm what I'm doing is is really intentional towards um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a young young guy anymore. I'm 40 years old. And um so a lot of what I do is that I want to be able to keep doing this as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to do it how I'm doing it for as long as I can. And that and that for me involves a lot of being on the mat a lot of battling with the guys, a lot of lifting and running and all that stuff as much as I can, because that's the fun part of what I do. I think, you know, is being in there and, um, you know, having those experiences with the guys where it's like this kind of shared, um, shared pursuit, you know, where we're in there together working on stuff. And, uh, I think, I think when I can't be on the mat anymore, that's going to be really telling for me of, you know, okay, do I, do I, do I still want to keep doing this? Do I, you know, do I still have a passion for the sport when I can't be actually uh, wrestling a lot, you know? So I think that's, that's going to be interesting, but I, I think, you know, at least, at least 10 more years is, is what I'm shooting for. of Just being able to, to, you know, to just, to just do this at a high level, you know? Right. And, um, you know, I still feel like pretty competitive, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, you know, I don't take that for granted, you know, you got to stay healthy. You got to do the right things. And, and, uh, it's a lot of fun though. It's a, I like, I wake up every day and I'm like, oh gosh, this is a dream job. There's nothing else I can Im- even imagine that I'd rather be doing than this. Yeah. You took like a picture yesterday. I don't know if you posted on Instagram or something, but like you took a picture of like overlooking or somebody took a picture of overlooking right. the camp or whatever. And I'm like, geez, yeah. Who wouldn't want to wake up to that? That just looks yeah, I drive in every day and it's a lot of times it's early, right? And the sun, right. you know, I don't know if you know, have you heard of the term Alpenglow? No. It's uh it's this kind of term where um the sun is is only hitting starting to hit the mountains and um the so like nothing else is being lit up besides like the highest points mm-hmm. and um it's it's this otherworldly kind of weird pinkish color. 
mm-hmm. um, that that you just don't get anywhere else. But the they call it Alpen Glow, and um, and a lot of times I'm driving into that that scene that you talked about where the academy's nestled right up against these peaks, mm-hmm. and uh, man, it's just like I I just can't believe it. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe I work there. Um, so it's just a, it's an amazing place, and a lot of it's amazing just because not because of the actual place but because of the experiences the guys get to have and okay. um, they just get to do some incredible things that you can't do anywhere else. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, the one, th- one of the biggest respects I have for, for coaches and, and also just bosses in general, you know, managers, whatever is when they, uh, they don't ask you to do anything that they haven't done before. Yeah. You know, and that take, not only is that, um, athletically, but academically, you were really good academically. Academically, you earned the J. Donald McPike Senior, you know, Senior Award for highest GPA. And yeah, you know, so you obviously took your academics seriously just as much as wrestling. Well, I think you know it was. I would say that wasn't a, a huge like strength. I mean, I I was. I did well in high school. Like I, mm-hmm. I probably could have got into more academically elite places than Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that like I would have done great at those places, but I think, uh, you know, I had the, the, um, uh, tools to do that. And when I got to Iowa, you know, it was hard. Like I, I probably changed majors a couple of times until I found, you know, what I wanted to do. But once I found what I wanted to do, I, I, uh, it became pretty, pretty apparent that that was, I don't know, part of, part of my calling. I ended up getting a degree in education. I ended up getting a master's degree in education. And I think, you know, that's kind of the case is like what, um, when you find out what, what it is that you're supposed to be doing, it stuff becomes easier in a weird way. Mm -hmm. And, um, so like, I think that was definitely the case for me where I started off a little more bumpy, you know, and I ended up, you know, graduating with above a 3.0 and, and, um, doing, doing well, you know, I think, I did well enough to get into grad school and and then, and then I did really well in grad school mm-hmm. getting my master's in education. So I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, you gotta have, uh, like I said, you gotta have a passion, you gotta have a purpose and you gotta have some, some direction and some reason why. Otherwise it's just kind of like to do, to do well, just, just to do well is, is hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. When did you have that passion? You know, let's, I guess for wrestling in general, or sports, like were you even a wrestler to begin with? Uh, I started wrestling a little later. I started wrestling in third grade, and um, there wasn't it wasn't a cultural thing where I was. I'm from Kansas City, and I just say it was very um, sporadic who wrestled and who did it. There's a lot of good wrestling in Kansas City, but like it's not something that every kid grows up doing. So for me, it was like a weird thing where um, I ended up being one of the only kids in my grade school that wrestled. And so it kind of almost became, I didn't, I wasn't great. I wasn't good at it at all. It was a start out. And so it became like a thing though, where it became a distinction almost like I was, I was the guy that wrestled in my grade school. And so uh, it be kind of just became part of maybe how I saw myself from an early age, even though I wasn't good at it. And um, I think it just did a lot of things for me. Confidence wise, I wasn't a big kid. I was kind of getting picked on and um, just gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of uh, physicality that, you know, that I just, and I didn't necessarily have to use it, but I, um, but it just the confidence of, Oh, I can, I can handle myself. You know what I mean? And um, so I think 
I wanted to be good at it. And I, uh, I worked really hard at it. Even from an early age, I, I saw the kind of the, the parallel between working at it and, and, and the success because I, I didn't win a kid's tournament until I was 14. I tell people that unashamedly, like, and I, like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not ashamed of that because like that served me so well as a high school and a college athlete, because I mean, I, I didn't have to be good right away. I knew how to handle not being good and working, working to get good. I knew how I knew what that looked like because I had already done it. And then I had to do it again in high school. And then I had to do it again. You know what I mean? Like, so like, I just believed, I believed in that and I believed I could outwork people. And I, like, I believed in the mental, the mental toughness side of it a lot. And, um, man, if you would have seen like the class I came in with, uh, at Iowa, like, there's no way I should have, like, I, I should have never been in the starting lineup. I should have, you know what I mean? Like there, there's just so much, so much talent, um, all around me that like, like anybody else, like without that mentality would have, would have really had, it. they would have really struggled. And, um, so I just credit that kind of those early experiences of, you know, really having to work and want to, to get better, knowing that I wasn't great at it. Knowing, you know, never saw myself as the most talented, you know, never, never once saw myself as the most talented, but I was going to outwork you. I was going to figure it out. You know what I mean? I was going to have better habits and more, you know, better game plan and be more physical and be able to be able to push myself harder and, and all those things that I could control. And so I think, um, you know, that's how we talk to our guys a lot is like, Hey, what are the things that you can control? What are the things that, uh, are going to serve you no matter, you know, who, who you are, how talented you are, or, you know what I mean? Like, let's focus on a lot of those things. And, um, so I think that's something that I probably learned even a little bit more at Missouri than Iowa, you know, I obviously has a kind of a more specific style of wrestling mm -hmm. and a more specific, um, just, you know, like how, how do they do things and how do they think and how do they, you know, and that I fit in really well with that. Um, like I said, the, all about the work, we're going to outwork you and we're going to, you know what I mean? And we're going to be tougher. And so I fit in really well with that, but I think at Missouri, I really learned how to help guys be the best version of themselves. Um, cause not everybody's like that. Right. So, right. um, what are the things that we can control that fit, fit what you're already doing? You know, how can we take what you already have and make it even, even better? Um, so I think I, I identify with that a lot more now of, Hey, let's, let's take what you have and make it great and, and not have to make you wrestle a certain way or, or be a certain kind of athlete. Yeah. Where did that mentality come from? You know, where did that seed get planted, you know, where you just were like, I'm going to outwork everybody. Um, or like, yeah. I mean, like, I think, uh, it's probably a little bit from, from my dad. I mean, I think, you know, just the value of, of, of work and, and not like, you know, like you take, take what you have. So like, I, like I said, I didn't have a lot of, I wasn't, I wasn't unathletic. I wasn't like clumsy and awkward, mm -hmm. but I wasn't like, I wasn't a freak either. Like I wasn't like super fast. I wasn't super strong. I wasn't super, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, well, what are you going to, how are you, how are you going to figure out how to get good, good at this? And it was going to be by learning a lot of things, by having a lot of experiences that helped you figure out how to, how to do things. And, and then just, 
you know, figuring out how to like, oh, this is this is who I am. This is how you how you did. So it's just it was a very natural thing. Um, and I think it was just not not automatic. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, I, I just had one day where I just decided I'm going to get tough. I think it was like it's a process, right? It's like right. it's like anything else. You you learn how to be successful if you really want to be great at something you you learn what it looks like for you and and um and you ask questions and you you know you you have a lot of of uh, growth from seeing the examples of the people around you and and i had a lot of great examples from a young age um there was a guy named kevin clem who ran a a youth wrestling club in kansas city east kansas wrestling club and it wasn't even like uh like the clubs are now where it's, you know, like these crazy superpower clubs, but everybody just seemed to know that this guy was, was really good coach. And, you know, he had, um, a lot of really good, um, high school kids coming in to train with him. And he even had, uh, Aiken in there, you know, Aiken, Eric Aiken is, uh, mm-hmm. is a Kansas legend and, you know, he's multi-time, Fargo champ and, and us open champ. And, you know, he was training there. Like, so we were, we were his training partners, you know, as I got up into high school, we were his training partners as he was making his push to, to make those world and Olympic teams. And I just, you know, like I, so I had a ton of, of people that were better than me around me, pushing me and, and, um, helping me. And, um, but again, it was like, you know, it's a process. It's not like an automatic thing. So I don't think that you make one decision. I think you make a hundred little decisions to, to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you start really? So you won your first term when you were 14. Is that when you started building a little more confidence, even going into high school? I mean, cause you had some pretty darn good success in high school, but it seems like there were still some levels you jumped even as you were getting into high school. Yeah. So like I have this weird, surreal memory of, um, you know, I, I placed as a, as a freshman, Mm-hmm. Kansas is Kansas is a solid state. It's always got good wrestling. I wouldn't say it's a powerhouse state, but it's a solid state. And I'm I'm really proud to be from Kansas. Um, but I have this really weird memory of uh, very specific of, you know, all these kids that were uh, amazing youth wrestlers that I knew. Um, and I and I finally as a sophomore, I made the state finals Um and, you know, it was after a pretty successful, I, I double, I double placed at Fargo in between my freshman and sophomore year. So that was, that was really confidence building. But I remember, um, I remember being in the finals my sophomore year and like looking around at like all the kids in my, you know, like the parade of champions or whatever, like with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my, like, I can't believe I'm here with all these, these kids that like were um, in my mind at the time, like kind of legendary youth wrestlers and like, um, like, well, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing pretty good. Um, so I don't know. And then I think from there, you just expect it, right. You know, a big thing that a big kind of mantra that was, you know, for, I think even from Missouri at the time, uh, but, but I, I, I heard it all the time in high school is expect to win, expect to win, you know, like, so what's that look like you, you, you know, you just, you're doing the work, you're doing the work every day so that you can expect to win. And, um, I think that that resonated with me a ton. Um, and it's, you can't do that if you don't, or if you don't do the work, if you're not prepared. So, um, those things for sure go hand in hand, but I think I was really, 
um, really confident probably from, from that point forward, you know, I, I didn't lose another high school match, um, after my, after my sophomore year. So, um, I don't know, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's a bunch of little things that go into that, but yeah, not so one decision. That, yeah. So that might've been where you kind of looked around and then like, yeah, okay. I belong. Like, you know, even though you probably maybe subconsciously thought it like at that moment, maybe it really became a realization like, all right, yeah, I'm, I might be better than these guys or I put in the work just as much as these guys. So, you know, and then you go on, did that, did that loss sting a little bit, obviously when, you know, that's all more year. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's uh, you look back and you think about, uh, man, like even then, like I was doing so much, but I, I did, I did too much. Like I did, I like, I, I wore myself out getting ready for that finals match. Like I was exhausted when I hit the mat. Yeah. Like I just like, I probably warmed up for like an hour before the match and just, you know, cause like, well, again, like that's like maybe a little bit the downfall of being all about the, the work mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, you work. <laughs> and so, uh, I think even through, um, even through, you know, college and, and internationally, like I, I had to find that balance of, um, you know, wanting to be really warmed up and knowing, knowing that I needed that. But at the same time, like, you know, not quite not like keeping an edge on myself, you know, cause you can, you can wear yourself down. And I think that's something that I, I have to be a lot more aware of with when I'm coaching athletes is that like, you know, not everybody's, you know, built the same or, or likes that. Uh, and, and so, especially when we're leading up to competition, it's, it's gotta be a little more tailored to, to, you know, where's their, where's their, you know, optimal performance level, you know, mm-hmm. it's some, it's not this quite the same for everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so real quick though, where did you, when did you start getting recruited by Iowa and mm. get recruited elsewhere? Well, I, I did some, um, I did some, some training camps and stuff. So, um, I went to Iowa's, uh, training camp, um, as a, as a, it probably in between my sophomore and junior year. And, um, that back then they, they were only recruiting, uh, your senior year so that, you know, you didn't talk to people your, your junior year about that stuff. But, you know, I, um, the way they do their, their training camp, they had, uh, current wrestlers as, as the counselors for each kind of weight, weight group of guys. So you would kind of mm-hmm. go and you would be in a group of guys of similar weight. And then you'd have a counselor that was of a similar weight so that they were kind of coaching you. And I remember I, I had, I was had the fortune uh, of having Mike Zadick in, in mm-hmm. as my camp counselor two years in a row when he was kind of a young guy on the team, he was like a freshman sophomore on the team. And I was, you know, in high school and then I ended up being his teammate, uh, which was kind of surreal, but, um, you know, I think I, I went to those and, and got to know those guys and, and maybe got looked at by the coaches a little bit, but, um, I remember I ended up beating another guy that was my teammate, uh, and who's a great, wrestler, great coach, Ty Eustace. Uh, I ended up beating him a couple times, um, in the summer between my junior and senior year, um, at some freestyle tournaments. And he was really, he was a really well-known, um, high, high level recruit. You know, he was a five-time, um, Minnesota state champ. And, um, so he was just a really solid 
wrestler and he ended up beating me um in a in a freestyle match the next summer so like we kind of i'd say we went back and forth more but i i got those first those, those first two times we wrestled uh i ended up beating him at some pretty high profile tournaments they had you know they still have have them but they're not as a big of a deal as they used to be but the the regional tur- the regional level tournaments so i beat him at northern plains yes. and um and i beat him at the western regional which uh is kind of more been eclipsed now by the the U20 uh, qual, you know, like the the world team qualifier. Yeah. They didn't used to have that out there. It used to be like you would wrestle at the Western Regional and and then watch the U.S. Open. And that again, like that again, they talk about like an experience. Like I would encourage anybody if you if you're not, if you're going to go to like one tournament as a high school kid. I know that you know um, Super Thirty Two and Visa, you know, like those. There's so many good high school tournaments, but there's nothing quite like being able to go as a high school kid go wrestle at a high level tournament and then watch the senior level guys. I learned a lot doing that. And I did that at probably every year that I was in high school, I would go to Vegas and, and, but anyway, so I, I beat Ty at the, at that tournament in the finals and, um, and they were already recruiting him. And so it just, it, it just became pretty apparent that I was a pretty good fit there. It wasn't the only place that I, I visited. Um, I visited Nebraska you know, I, I had talked quite a bit to Stanford um, early on. It kind of became apparent that that wasn't going to be financially a good good option for me, just mm-hmm. kind of with the socioeconomics of, of my family situation and, and what I could uh, qualify for in aid mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was, I was kind of – that was more of a practical decision. And then um, at Air Force, I actually talked with Coach Bachman um, about coming to Air Force too. And um, he, he, for some reason, was really insistent that I make a decision before I was going to take any other of my college visits. And, and I wasn't willing to do that. So, um, so that kind of be like, that kind of got taken off the table for me. Otherwise, like, I think if I would have come and visited Air Force, it would have been very much in the picture. Um, that's kind of ironic, but I, um, (laughs) so I, I mean, I think, um, you know, kind of really came down to Nebraska and Iowa at the time. And I just felt like, I got this overwhelming sense that if I couldn't win at Iowa, I wasn't, I couldn't win. You know what I mean? Like that was going to be the best, the best situation for me. And, and, and it was, it was great. And I, and I still have great teammates that I, that I talked to. Um, but I felt like when I, when I came to Iowa, I was a little bit of a black sheep. I just was a pretty, um, clean living, um, you know, hardworking kind of no nonsense kind of guy. And that wasn't the case with a lot of my teammates. They were, you know, they were a little more like work hard, play hard yeah. uh, mentality. And so, you know, it was, but it was good. It was good. It was, um, it was a good fit in a lot of ways. So. How'd you mesh that? Cause that, that can be difficult, you know, when, when you feel, you know, obviously it's a brotherhood, you know, like your right. family, you know, but it, when you start to feel a little different or your values may not necessarily hundred percent align, you know, you can feel sort of isolated. Right. You know? Well, I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a respect, right. There's a respect from what people are doing yeah, and, and not necessarily uh, as much as for what people are not doing. Right. So it's like, you can, you can have that that respect for the work that people are putting in, even if you don't agree with everything that they're doing off the mat. And um, I, so I think that's kind of where where that fell for me is like, man, I had some really some really tough, hardworking teammates that were pushing themselves 
uh, it's hard for me to say as hard as I was, but probably mm-hmm. pretty close. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there was a lot of great examples in the upperclassmen of, of that work. Um, and, and being able to just be hard on yourself on a consistent and productive basis. Uh, but I think, you know, too, it's like, I just, um, I wasn't around it a ton, you know, I wasn't around the other stuff that I didn't want to do a ton. And so I think that was probably the hardest part for me was just kind of feeling, um, maybe not included a lot. And, and that was my, my own, my own choice and my own doing, but like, just kind of like that, the social part of it, um, it was hard for me to make friends initially just because of that. And so like, I kind of had to find my own little, my own little niche of, of guys. And, um, you know, it ended up being one of my, my very best friends that I still talk to is Ned Shuck. Um, and he's the head coach right now of Bel Armin university, but we ended up being roommates, um, kind of my junior year, his senior year. And that was, that was super, super positive and, and, um, still one of the toughest, most Iowa, uh, guys I've ever met in my life, even though he never, he never got the opportunity to be, to be the starter for us. You know, he got beat out by, um, by Alex Sertzis his senior year. And that was really, really tough for him. Um, but he was just the, the hardest, toughest guy I've, I've met, you know, and just, and, and a super great teammate, you know, I can remember like we were, we would run this hill out back behind Carver Hawkeye arena a lot. We would run it a lot. And, um, they, they had all kinds of crazy, like they would put stuff at the top that we could like, like really heavy, like stupid, like they had wheelbarrows out there. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they had, you know, just like some weird stuff that like, you know, people don't even think about, but, um, I remember like running that hill with him and he would just be like running by me and be and like whisper it to me, Joe Johnston, national champ, Joe Johnston, national champ. Right. And like, just a, just a great phenomenal teammate, um, that was just in it with me and, um, and helped me get better on in, in areas of wrestling that I was not as good at like bottom. I wasn't a good bottom wrestler. Um, I self admit that for sure. But, um, I just, yeah. Um, it was hard. It was hard initially. And I think that's still probably one of my biggest regrets about my time in college and more towards my junior senior year when I, you know, when I was a captain and when I was a little bit more of a leader is that just like that I didn't bring more people with, with me to my, a little bit more of my mentality of like, you know, just it, I, I set a great example, but I wasn't very vocal. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's tough. That can be tough. You know, when you're 18, you know, and you're trying to, you know, you're deciding whether or not to be vocal, but you have these other captains or these other high level athletes around you that are more vocal or whatever, more credentialed. Do you feel, I don't know if you just felt a little, maybe like you didn't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, I guess, but uh, you know, like well, I'll, I'll be honest as a, voice. Like, as, as a young guy, like, I was, I, I mean, I wasn't good enough, you know, like I was good, but I was, I was, I was surviving, you know, mm-hmm. like I was, I was getting beat up some days. Like I wasn't scoring a takedown some days. Like I was, you know, like I was trying like heck to learn and, and, and push myself and, and be good. And, um, and I think that's a full enough plate, you know, like I didn't need to be worrying about trying to be a leader yet. I needed to like figure out how to, how to, get better, you know? And so, um, it's, I would, I describe Iowa's room as just, it's brutal. It's brutal. Right. And I don't know, you know, obviously it's been many, many years since I've been in there, 
Um, so it, it's probably, it's probably a little different, you know, wrestling's like changed. And I think, you know, I, I can get on a, on a soapbox here a little bit, but like, man, sports specialization, I think is, is not good. And I'll, and I'll tell you why, because like, I've seen it enough. Now I've been coaching college. Geez. How many years now? 18 years, maybe 17, 18 years. And like the amount of wear and tear that people come in with is just unbelievable. Like we are just wearing kids bodies out. And by the time they get to college, it's a, it's just a, you see it. Like you'll, you'll keep seeing it. Just the best guys, you know, are just, it's, you got to stay healthy. You got to stay healthy. That's going to be half the battle. So what that's causing, I'm sorry, it's uh, it kind of descriptive. It's just, uh, you're going to see more and more of people having to train in college differently because bodies aren't going to hold up. So that, that, uh, old school, like we're going to outwork everybody all the time, every, you know, that's, that's not going to be for everybody because bodies aren't going to hold up because there's so many miles on them already. There's only so much tread on the tire. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think you got to be really smart with that. Um, when you're training guys and understanding that, um, you know, they've probably had, I mean, I think that, you know, coming out of high school, you probably used to have, you know, in the, in the one hundreds of matches wrestled, you know, probably back when I was coming out of high school. Now I would say, man, like how many tournaments are you going to freestyle Greco, you know, like you're probably coming out with like 300 matches a year or something. I don't know if you're, if you're wrestling all year. Nice. And I just think it's like, it's just a, an unbelievable amount, like volume of wrestling. And uh, so I don't know. I, I'm not like, I don't have a great answer. But man, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard when you're coming out with that much mileage on you, and that much. Um, so I'm I'm not a big proponent of sports specialization from an early early age. I think you should do lots of things and find find the thing that you like to do, uh, and then eventually you know put yourself into that. But my two cents. Yeah. Well, did you did you do a lot of different sports? Did you take breaks? Yeah. From like for sure, for sure. You know. So I. I played soccer all the way through high school. Um, that was pretty big in Kansas city. Um, and I, and I liked it, you know, it was fun. It was something I had done all the way from kindergarten. So I played soccer from kindergarten all the way through, through high school. You know, I know I, I knew I wasn't as good at it, uh, as wrestling. Um, but I, but I enjoyed it. And, um, I played baseball as a kid and, um, yeah, I just, just was always doing something. I was riding, riding bikes all the time. I was, you know, just being active and, and it doesn't always necessarily have to be, um, necessarily organized. Is right. it? And I think it's really sad that you don't see organized or, or, or unorganized, uh, sports anymore. Like when's the last time you saw a youth, like a, a pickup baseball game, you know, maybe you still see some, some pickup basketball, I guess that's probably the best example, but like, I was like, okay, I would go to the pool in the mm -hmm. summer and then there would be a bunch of people around and all of a sudden there'd just be a soccer game going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of stuff. And I just feel like you don't see that a lot anymore, that, that kind of unstructured play and just trying to be competitive at that. And, um, you know, I just think ultimate Frisbee all the time and just, just stuff where you were just like getting dog tired and having a great time and not worrying about it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, for my kids, I have four kids and, um, we're my, my wife actually, she played soccer at Iowa too. 
Um, so we're both college athletes from Iowa and, um, you know, we're just pretty, um, we're not trying to get into that crazy world of travel sports and, and, and doing all that stuff. You know, our family life is so much more valuable for our kids benefit and for, you know, for stability that it's just, it's crazy enough already. Um, so we're, we're very, um, if they, if it's their passion, if they want to pursue something, we'll support it hundred percent, but we're not going to push that. We're not going to push that. Cause I think that's, it's a little bit broken. And I think that there's, um, there's going to be great opportunities for them to, to figure out what they want to do and, and to try things and to not have to be competitive right away. And to just, you know, I think, um, and again, like I get on a little bit of a, uh, you know, I'm a soapbox here, but man at, at air force, um, it's still, it's still a transformational experience. It's not a business for us here, you know? Um, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but gosh, I think that's one of the biggest things that makes us different is like, for us, it's about who are you becoming through the sport of wrestling and what kind of officers are we putting out into the air force, right? It's not necessarily about having, having to have a, a certain level of successful team every year and not that we don't want to win. We want to win just as bad, if not worse than a lot of people. And I think we're going to keep winning. I think we're going to keep being successful, but I think ultimately it's about who are you becoming through that, through the sport. So it's a truly, uh, it's still a transformational experience. Right. And, um, I think that's what sports is supposed to be. And that's why people love sports. Um, and I think whenever it becomes a business, that gets a little bit lost. And so I think the little bit, that's why youth sport culture is, is suffering. Sorry, I kind of come back full circle, but um, I think that's why youth sports suffering a little bit because everything's become a business. Mm-hmm. And so some, some coaches, and I don't begrudge any coach of, of making a, a good, a good living. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, it can't be all about that. It can't be all about, you know, what, what crazy, uh, you know, Oh, we are going to travel you. You're going to have the best uniform. You're going to, that's not what it's about. You know, it's about having these experiences where you can push yourself and grow and learn about yourself physically and, and become a better person. Right. And learn, learn values. So I don't know. That's again, my two cents, but no, I, you know, it's when I guess, keep saying, I talked to the coach Barber and you guys seem to have be on the same page with that. You know, he's very passionate about what type of officers, you know, he follows them after they graduate and he's like, what are they doing? You know, my brother-in-law went to the air force Academy. Uh, I think he graduated in 08 or 09. Sam Barber Mm -hmm. was a volunteer and assistant at that time. Um, It was like his first year. Um, But uh, he knew, he knew what he was doing. You know, he knew what type of officer he was and he just follows them and he's very proud of what they become after the Air right. Force, after their competing days, because that's ultimately what the we're going to talk about one percent that's going to go on and wrestle on the, you know, on the world team, Olympic or whatever. The other 99 percent are going to go into society. And so, you know, he also even said if he wasn't at Air Force, he who knows, he might not be coaching because of the way things are ran maybe at other places, but air force runs it differently. And that was kind of his message. And, you know, part of what I want to do is promote air force and what you guys are doing. You had the best year in, I don't know, 30 or 50 years for a service academy this past year. I mean, you can go to the air force Academy and be successful as a wrestler and a person. 
Yeah, it's it's for sure true, and it's um, you know, people talk about it. It's, it's tough, right? It's a, it's tough. There's a big academic load. It's yep. um, there's extra demands on you, right? But like, if you're going, if you're coming to the Air Force Academy, you're pretty, you're pretty exceptional. You're right. a pretty exceptional young person. For us, you're a pretty exceptional young man, and um, you can do it. You can do it all, and and you can do it all because there's a lot of structure in place for you. There's a lot of things that are deconflicted. There's a lot of things that are just kind of like, you just have to show up and, and work hard at them, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to navigate a ton of things. Like our guys aren't having to drive and find some new building every day or, you know, like figure out, hey, am I going to go to my chemistry lab or am I going to go to practice or, you know what I mean? They don't, they don't have to figure those things out. A lot of things are just set right in front of them. And um, as long as they are just showing up at the right place at the right time with the right attitude, um, you know, at the right uniform, they're, they're going to be just, they're going to be just great. Right. You know, it's just, so it's just learning how to take care of yourself a little bit and be organized and, and, and fit into the the structure that it's becomes pretty, I'll say easy, but it becomes pretty clear how to be successful at the air force Academy, you know? So I think, you know, there's, there's two types of mentalities that I talk about here that are really, really successful. And one of them, I kind of, like I kind of said, is like, you just show up and you do a great job. You do your best all the time and then you don't worry about it. Right. And then you do, cause you know, I, Oh, I'm just doing my best. And then there's the other type of uh, mentality. That's a really organized person that just kind of makes everything how they want it to be so they can fit it in. Right. And so um, both those, both those types of mentalities are really successful. You know, I'm sure coach Barber talked about it, but we have, we, we're going to have, let's see, this will be our third guy to go to med school in the past three years. Um, Garrett Kuchin. He's our 141 pounder. He's a starter, you know, um, Jared Van Vliet was a starter and a national qualifier for us. He's in med school right now. Um, but so Kuchins will be senior and he, he just crushed the MCAT. So he's for sure going to get in. Um, we have two other guys on the team that are on track to do the same. Like you can, like this, there's just unbelievable opportunities here. Like, you know, we like uh, two, two or three years ago, we had eight of our, eight of our eight seniors graduate with pilot slots, you know, now, not everybody always wants to be a pilot, but about half of our, half of our grads every year are getting pilot slots. There's a huge pilot shortage. So um, just like the stuff that you can do here, you know, is, is unbelievable. We have three guys right now in the pipeline for, to be special operators. So like combat controllers or, you know, work with, work with SEAL teams and stuff like that in the, in the field. And they're just unbelievably tough guys, unbelievably tough guys that just um, love it. And like, like I said, love pushing themselves at that Mm -hmm. stuff. And we're, we're helping them navigate that so that they can do some of the, the training and some of the things that are going to give them, um, confidence to, to when they get selected for those for those elite elite type posts, they're they're going to be ready for those things, and we can do that because we're we're organized as a staff and we have the right resources in place and we have a great structure that fits in with with what's going on with the academy, so that you know we're like I said we're maximizing the time we have with guys, um, and we're making sure we get a lot out of every every touch every touch point that we have is is um, highly productive. So. Yeah. Not to give away any secrets, but like, how did you, how did you find the right formula for you, your staff, your athletes, and, you know, the university as an academic course load and all the other, other demands that might come along with being at the Air Force Academy? Well, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, steps along that, that, 
path. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it is um, learning how to ask for the things that you need in the, in, in the structure that we have. Right. And coach Barber, I mean, I just give him an unbelievable ton of credit on that. He is so good at navigating um, what, what, how, how to do things at the Academy and how to send the right email to the right person or find the right form that needs to get done so that we can have unbelievable opportunities uh, as a program. And so it's just uh, for us, it's about navigating that and being staying ahead of stuff. And, um, you know, he, he goes through the entire semester and just, and just fills, fills it out so that we know exactly what's going on so that we know exactly what the structure is. And then it's, and then it's for me, my kind of, my kind of role is just like, okay, what's the content? You know, we have this time blocked out. We have this structure um, in place, you know, what are we, what are we filling it with so that we can maximize, you know, maximize it and get the, the absolute most out of it in the very best way. And so, um, you know, our guys know what to expect. They come in and they're, and they're, you know, they're ready and, and then we go. So, you know, I think, like I said, I give coach Barber a ton of credit. He's, he's put all the pieces in place for this to be a, a super successful program. And it makes it easy for me to do my job on, on my role on the staff. So, um, it's, it's, it's been like that. And in, in every year we just keep growing it and learning from little mistakes that we made and doing better. But a lot of it's just being organized on our end. Yeah. What do you, you know, part of being a great staff is sort of having balance, you know, where one guy might be strong or weak, the other one's strong. Sure. Where do you fit in and balance out coach Barber a little bit? Well, you know, coach, coach Barber's, you know, he, it's his program, you know, and he's, he's the face of the program. He's the one that talks to the guys every day. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to have more one-on-one conversations about small issues with guys or, or answer guys questions on, on a, you know, on a more personal level. Um, I think, you know, we talk a lot to each other and we communicate at a high level with each other a lot. So there's no surprises. And, um, for me, it's kind of like, like I said, it's like, it's his program and I'm just trying to help him be the best that he can be. And then I'm also, you know, going to take care of the areas that are, that are kind of in my, in my, uh, my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I do a lot of our travel and I do a lot of our, um, our technique, um, in the room, but that doesn't mean I'm the only one that does it. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be responsible for my, for my areas. I do a lot with our, with our food and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, we all kind of know what our, what our roles are as our staff in our areas. And that's again, like coach Barber, like helps us stay really organized in those things. And like, and we meet as a staff very regularly so that, um, you know, we can, we can communicate with each other. And I know that's kind of maybe not quite, quite what you're uh, getting at, but that's, that's, I'm just trying to be descriptive about how we work as a staff and, and how, how it works. So, you know, um, what we'll make a plan for practice every day together and mm-hmm. uh, and kind of know what's going on and who's going to run what part of practices and and how it's all going to fit together. So, yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe I guess part of the role isn't where he's weak. It's where you can help out and take a little bit off his plate so that he can focus on, uh, you know, something else while you focus on something else. They're both important. They both need to be done. So instead of him taking all the responsibilities, that's also part of your your role is to take a little bit of responsibility. Some. Off of him. Yeah, for sure. Some. And I think, you know, for me, it's like I said, I, I really want to help him 
be the absolute best head coach that he can be. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm not an ambitious, I'm not an ambitious guy uh, as far as my own situation. You know, I'm, I'm confident that I'll get, I'll get opportunities that, that I want to get for my career. But like, man, like I said, I, this is an amazing place and I can't believe that I get to do this. And I'm like, it's a dream job for me, right? This being able to coach um, D1, college wrestling, big 12 at a place where, you know, it's all about integrity and work. And you know what I mean? Like it just, it's, it's for me, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not, um, I know what my role is and I'm just trying to be amazing at it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be amazing at it. And so, uh, I think it's, uh, it's just all comes down to like, how, how do we interact together and communicate together and, um, that we're sharing those common goals. And so I think I'm very satisfied with, with how things are going. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things also about being a coach that's very important is, is saying what you mean and doing what you say. And coach Barber says that describes you really well. You know, you mean, you say what you mean and you do what you say you will do every time, you know, is that yeah, I, pretty accurate? I think, I think it's, it's super important, right? It's like, um, you, you can't be a, do what I say guy, you know, like, and I know that that happens, I mean, just be for efficiency sake, right. It's sometimes that you just need, when you say something, you just need it to happen. But I think there always has to be a uh, follow through because that's, that's what integrity is. It's like, you, you can't, you can't say you're going to do something and then not do it. You can't, uh, you know, you can't lead in a way that's expecting somebody, something of somebody that you're not willing to do yourself. So I think, um, you know, you always, we say lead from the front and that just means like I'm charging into battle at the, at the front of the, the pack instead of the guy at the back watching the battle unfold. Right. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's leadership. That's leadership. You know, you're, I'm not a boss. I'm, I'm trying to be a leader. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a guy that's just telling people what to do. I'm trying to, to live this. I think it is a lifestyle. So. Yeah. You, you mentioned it a couple of times that like, you're just, you're really grateful. And this is, you know, a dream job. You even said, how did you even end up at Air Force to begin with? Um, well, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. It's, um, I, I have a, a wonderful wife that supports me a ton and she and I talked a lot about while we're at Missouri, um, because Missouri, you know, I'm from Kansas City, so Missouri yeah. kind of felt a lot like home as the closest Division One program. You know, I was only a, a couple hours from my family, my parents, and um, so it was hard to leave. But um, we all had talked about multiple times. It's kind of like, well, what's your what's your vision for the future? You know, what's that? What's it look like? You know, ten years from now, those kind of conversations that you have. And um, one of the conversations we have is, well, if you weren't at Missouri, if you weren't doing this what would you, what would you want to be doing? And, um, ironically, like air force was just a place that always was kind of at the top of the list and not, and not again, because it it partly because of the place, you know, I love, I love Colorado. Mm -hmm. I love the mountains. I love those kind of things. I, I climb mountains a lot. I love skiing. You know, I love, I love the lifestyle out here. That's for sure. But 
I think the institution was very attractive to me too. So I think it was always a place that was at the top of the list of for if we were going to do something else, um, what would you want to do? And I think coaching here, like for a lot of the reasons I've said, because it truly can still be a transformational experience for the athletes because of the type of people that I get to be around every day. Um, because of, you know, the, the, the type of young men that I get to coach every day, um, is just attractive for a lot of reasons. And so, um, I had known coach Barber, you know, from way, way back, um, right, probably right when I was, had graduated, I was coaching at a, at a small school, Cornell college in Iowa. Um, oh, I was yeah. still, I was still training. Right. So I was still training and, uh, coach DeRoe had been, the our, the Hawkeye wrestling club coach when I was an athlete at Iowa. And so he had offered me a job and I knew I wanted to coach at that point, but I was still training. And so he kind of allowed me to have that, that flexibility to be on his staff and do a great job for them. And we did a pretty good job. We took seventh in the country and we had, you know, multiple all Americans every year at Cornell. Um, and I'm proud of, proud of those experiences, but like, it was a, a job that allowed me the flexibility to still come down and train in the Hawkeye Hawkeye wrestling club and, and still be um, competitive. I qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials while I was there. Um, you know, so I think it was a great situation for me, but ultimately I had to go to Missouri because I was, I was doing too many things. I was substitute teaching. I was coaching one place. I was wrestling another place. And it just stretched me too thin. So um, that's why I came to Missouri, but I got to know, sorry, this is kind of convoluted, but I got to know coach Barber, um, while I was at Cornell because he was coaching at Augsburg at that time. Mm -hmm. So we got to know each other because we were in the same conference competing against each other. And so, uh, you know, we just had kind of um, got some mutual respect for each other during those, those, um, those years. And so, um, you know, he, he reached out to me about, you know, wanting to come out to air force. And um, I just had to start thinking about it seriously. And, um, kind of because it kind of became a, a reality of a that, that it could be possible so um you know i think what it ultimately came down to is you know at missouri i was the second assistant and i just knew i was a i was a, a cog in a very well-oiled machine there mm -hmm. and it just it was very clear what my role was where i fit in and um i got this overwhelming sense that to grow as a coach i needed to do something and that i could stay at missouri and be very comfortable and be very know exactly where I fit in and just kind of, but I, I think, you know, there's, there's this idea of that. Like I want, like I'm pursuing excellence at this, at this job, at this career that I need, I need to keep growing. And I felt like my opportunity to do that was to accept a, a larger uh, leadership role on, on this team. And like I said, it was hard because it's kind of like my home in Missouri. And this is, this is further away for me. And, uh, but I think, you know, for me, like, man, like I've grown, I've already grown a lot as a coach because a lot, I have a lot more resting on my shoulders um, as far as what goes on on this team. And um, so I feel like it's been really, really valuable for me. Yeah. You seem like a very, very self-aware and driven person. You just sort of fit in the culture at air at the air force Academy, you know, not only as just a coach, but like as, as a, a human like that's what like you are kind of the epitome of what the air force academy is trying to recruit to come in and, and be a part of their you know their university yeah i think 
I think it's hard um, not being an alum sometimes <laughs> because it is it is a very strong culture. You know, it's a very strong um a group of people that come out that are, that are inseparable for the rest of their life. You know, like we talk about the long blue line of, of guys that have come out and we, we call it the band of birds. So every practice we break, break down with band of birds and um, they, they're, these guys are really just their brothers for the rest of their life. And so, um, you know, I think for me coming in as a little bit of an outsider, I've really had to earn, earn a little bit of more trust and earn a little bit more respect. But I do think the values wise and work ethic wise and, and what we're trying to do here, I think I am a really good fit for this place. And, um, you know, like I said, like trying to, trying to help every, everybody here become the best version of themselves on the mat and off the mat. And because I take it really seriously, what they're going to go do, right. Mm -hmm. They are, they are some of the future leaders of our country. And, um, and, and, and in a very serious way, like it's not, it's not, um, you know, at Missouri, we would kind of say, Hey, you're going to go be the best father, the best businessman, the best, whatever here. It's a, just a little more serious. You're mm -hmm. going to go defend our, our country. You're going to be in, in serious situations where things really matter and decisions you make really matter. So, um, you know, those, those things, you can have those skill sets, but really it comes down to like who you are, who you are is, is important. And so, um, you know, the more that I've got, this was a pretty special year for me because it was the first year that I've got to have, it was my fourth year on staff. Mm -hmm. So it's the first year that I've got to have a group all the way through from their freshman year and see them grow to be seniors and graduate. So, mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed that, that process this year of, of going, you know, going all the way through with guys. And, um, I hope that that just continues. It seems like our, seems like our team culture has never been better. And that's maybe a happy accident from, from COVID <laughs> where, where we, we just got to, um, you know, everybody was doing some isolating and some, uh, what cohorting and things like that. And we just got to spend a lot more time as a team, um, than, than we, than we normally did. And so our, our team culture just has just been going up, up, up in a, in a super positive way. And I think our seniors, you know, we have, um, six, six seniors in our lineup this year. Um, and so the leadership has just been outstanding and I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I guess I, I want to kind of wrap up with this, this last year and maybe a little bit of the future because it was such a special year, you know, what, what was it like for you as a coach, you know, for this, this year it was one of the best, you know, in a long time for an Academy, especially yeah. Air Force. So man, having somebody like Wyatt Hendrickson leading the way, leading the charge, you had a lot of other guys step up and, and support. Um, Barber was still a little uh, bittersweet about 18th. You know, there were, he's felt there were some points left on the table, um, but uh, it's still one heck of a year for the, well, I think, I think number one is you don't take it for granted, right? right? Everybody's trying to be good. You think about the sheer amount of resources being put into, you know, wrestling teams at the highest level. It's unfathomable. Everybody's trying to be, to be good and to win. And um, so for us to, to do it and then to be able to continue to do it, I don't take that for granted, but at the same time, you got to expect to win, right? You got to expect that you can that you can. And so then what does it look like? And what are the things that you need to do and how do you help people develop so that they, um, so that they can win. And so I think for us, you know, this, this year, I'm like, I said, I'm super, super excited about the team we have coming back um, six seniors as well as, um, you know, Tucker, uh, 
Tucker Owens, our freshman uh, qualifier, and Jack Ganos, um, unbelievably tough guy. He's one of those guys that's going to be a special operator. And um, and so I think it's a really exciting year for us. And um, I want the only pressure that's on us to be the pressure that we put on ourselves. And so um, I think uh, you just you just take it one day at a time, right? And um, you really try to make sure that you are going from a starting point with that's that's exciting and you're just growing and you're growing constantly and so it's kind of like you take it individually guy by guy and um we we have a kind of a philosophy on our team that's like it's not just about those 10 guys that end up representing us at the end of the year but like every guy on our team gets developed and then the guys that don't get that opportunity at the end they're 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 developing so that they're better practice partners and, and better, and they can really push the guys that, that do get that opportunity at the end. Um, so I think for us, it's going to be, it's going to have to be more of a team effort this year. You know, it's going to be a, have to be a, a situation where we, we qualified five guys last year, two of those guys graduated. I think we're going to have to qualify six or seven, you know, to, to be in the same, same situation again, where, you know, why scored a lot of bonus points. Cody Fippen scored some bonus points for us. Um, which is great. We mm-hmm. want those, we want those things to happen. But again, I think for us to keep getting better and to keep doing that, we're going to have to have more and more guys that are national qualifiers and, and scoring points for us at the national tournament. Um, I think we want to kind of have, have it become a standard for us where, Hey, if you're in our starting lineup and you're not a national qualifier and, and winning matches for us, it's a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. You know, I don't like, yeah. again, I don't think we want to put undue pressure on ourselves but I think that we want to have that expectation that, Hey, if you come to air force and you're in our, and you make our starting lineup, you're going to be a successful person on the map, right? Like you, you can win matches against anybody on the map. So, um, I think that we're doing that. And I, again, I think it just comes down to a ton of little details. And so I'm really motivated to get, to get in and get, get working with our guys. We have a lot of guys on base right now. And, and so we've got a lot of, um, hunger, you know, we took our first first three weeks of summer were our time at home. And so we got a lot of um, guys that are really motivated to fix little things and work on little things. And it's been really fun to be in there with them. So, yeah. Do you still roll around every once in a while? Oh, yeah. yeah. I would say I'm on the mat pretty hard, you know, probably on average twice a week. Pretty hard. Um, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. It's uh, like I said, it's, it's valuable. And, and obviously, you know, like it's got to fit in with what I'm doing. If I'm running the workout, it's going to yeah. be harder, but there's times that I do that too. There's times that I'll, I'll wrestle and run the, run the workout at the same time. And, um, but I think I still feel like I can push guys. Right. And so it's a little more targeted and it's a little more, I'm not just going to jump in because I want to wrestle. It's going to be because somebody asked me or because somebody needs it specifically that you know that to get pushed by me maybe we have uh, a workout partner that's injured or something you know what i mean so it's yeah. it's going to be more targeted but uh i want to be able to do that i want to be then that's kind of what i was talking about like i'm really intentional about getting in there and staying in shape and being able to wrestle so that i can keep doing that part of it that's the fun part you know mm-hmm. that's the that's the that's the really that's the part that makes it super enjoyable and um I'll, I'll do the other stuff the office stuff and the and the mundane stuff so that i can so that i can be great at all of it but that's the fun part 
you know, mm-hmm. getting in there and actually wrestling with guys and working on stuff and, and being in the room. And, um, I do the rest of it so that I can, so that I can do that. So. Well, last question. You, you said you're super competitive. Is there something or are there things that you do? Yeah. Outside of the room, like, are you, you know, pickleball is becoming a big thing. Are you, are you a big pickleballer or ping pong or, you know, chess checkers type of guy? You name it, man. Like it's a comp- competition's a competition's a lifestyle, right? So um I'm not gonna be good at everything, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna do everything hard. I'm gonna do everything hard. So like you wanna you wanna play uh you know settlers of Catan or checkers or chess or I'm gonna try to beat you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it does not matter what it is. Like let's let's go. So um yeah, I, I love competing and um it's it's great. It brings out the best in us, right? Sometimes it brings out the worst, but most of the times it brings out the best and, uh, everything you do should be trying to be your best. That's, that's a mentality right there is just like, man, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to be the best I can at it. And I don't always get to put the time and energy into things that I would like to, you know, I would love to be a phenomenal downhill skier. You know, I'm not going to be able to do that with like the five or six times that I get to go a year, but I'm going to push myself really hard at those times that I do get to go that I'm going to, you know, that's, that's just kind of an example of it's like, for me, I'm very practical priorities. My fam, my family number, like, you know, number, number two, um, behind my faith probably. And, and, um, so like, I don't get it. I don't get to do those things at the level that I would like to a lot of the times, but I do love being competitive. So any, anything we're going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to go do pretty hard. So, uh, is it safe to say, do you, you don't let your kids win? When no play? way. No way. <laughs> what, what's that about? What's that about? No, no, it, it'll be, I mean, they, they get a lot of encouragement from me and a lot of positivity, but you know, it's gotta be real. It's gotta be real. There's no, there's no, um, phony, you know, so, but I have a, I have a three-year-old and he likes to, he likes to wrestle with me. And, uh, so, so he might get a win every once in a while. Cause we're uh, just, we're, we're just learning what that's about. So, yeah. um, he likes to, he likes to call his own pins. So it's pretty fun. So, but once he hits what age five, that's when, uh, that's when yeah, <laughs> yeah, no way. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Joe Johnston, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website, 
at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guests of Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. And once again, I hope you enjoyed Assistant Coaches Week. So take care, and we'll see you next time.